2: And hello, welcome in. Thursday edition of the program underway. Glad you're with us. Let's take a quick look at the show lineup. We have a busy, busy hour today. The show lineup, a service of Honey Tam in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments. We're starting to preview high school basketball. And Hayden Casey, the coach of Christian Academy, is gonna join me in just a few minutes to talk about his Warriors. I think they are a team to watch in small school basketball this season. And we'll discuss how the summer went and what the expectations may be for this Christian Academy team. We've had on some of the 4A schools. We're going to talk with all the local coaches in advance of our preseason coverage here on the Big X, so we look forward to having Coach Casey with us in just a few moments. Later in the hour, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall always drops by on Thursday for the latest in IU basketball. There's plenty to get to. This new Hoosier Fan Fest coming up on November 6th is going to be a point of discussion today and there is more recruiting news to pass along as gabe cups the point guard from centerville ohio wrapped up his official visit just yesterday in bloomington lots of recruiting activity right now before the college basketball season gets underway later in the show chris grenham he's the boston celtics beat writer for forbes sports he's going to join us to talk romeo langford the celtics and what is romeo's role going to be once the regular season gets here. I had a chance last night to see Romeo in person over in Orlando. He's getting all kind of opportunities in the preseason because Boston without some of its key players due to COVID and COVID protocols, other uh, veteran players, star players taking a few games off uh, because it is preseason, really meaningless basketball as far as team records and success goes. But last night, Romeo, 27 minutes In 41 seconds, he was five of 13 from the field, uh, two of two from the free throw line, had three rebounds, two assists, and a total of 12 points. In the plus-minus column, he was plus nine. Really, the only negative last night in a lot of run he got with some of the other young Celtics was he shot a couple air balls, and he was 83% uh, from three-point percentage going into the game last night. And I think the first two threes he shot were both air balls. Not sure what was going on there, but he seems to be bigger and stronger and having fun. And this young group of Celtics is really getting a chance to play together here, some in the preseason, but that's going to change and possibly scale back soon because obviously next week when the regular season gets here, uh, Romeo's role is going to be different. Now, some of the Boston people think he has a chance to start. Others think the Celtics might go with a bigger lineup. And he may not be a starter, but get a a chance to come in off the bench some. But Chris uh, Grenham, great guy, Forbes Sports, Boston Celtics beat writer, knows everything going on with the Celtics. He's going to join us a little bit later in the hour to talk Romeo in advance of the regular NBA season. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Tam in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open. We'd love to hear from you to get your questions and comments for any of our three guests joining the program today, or really anything you want to sound off on. IU basketball, recruiting, IU Michigan State football this weekend, your high school football thoughts for Friday night, anything you want to talk about, send it in. We'll work your questions and comments into the show at 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450, the Thorntons text line. And don't forget, you need to download the Thorntons Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings every day on fuel. So glad you're with us here on this Thursday program. Our opening segment each day is brought to you by Zaxby's. And right now joining us is Hayden Casey. He's the head coach of Christian Academy of Indiana. This will be year number two for young coach Casey. Coach, glad to have you today and talk a little hoops.
3: Well, I really appreciate you having me on, Matt. I always love getting a chance to talk with you.
2: Most definitely. I tell you what, uh, this uh, Christian Academy team this year, when it comes to 1A basketball in the area, I think has a chance to be very solid. You're going to tell us more about your group this year, Coach, but I think it starts with a guy I really like. His name's Brady Dunn, a senior. He's the leader. He's a strong player. He can shoot it, he can drive it, and average 17 points and almost a double-double. He had nine rebounds a game last season. Uh, he's primed, I think, to be one of the seniors to really watch in our area this year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Brady Dunn is a guy, as a coach, you would want to build your team around and a guy you want representing your program. He, It's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason, and Brady kind of embodies it. I mean, he's a guy who does everything. Right, that you can think of. We're, we're very fortunate to have him be a part of our program and t- to not have to play against him. Um, but he, he's phenomenal. Like you said, averaging 17 and nine last year. And he's someone who's, uh, taking the off season work very seriously, whether it's our summer ball, whether it's in the weight room. He somehow managed to improve on himself in the months from our season ended in March. So he's somebody, uh, who I feel is very underrated in our area and, um, who was just an absolute
2: stud. Yeah, he's going to have a good senior year. I don't think there's any question about that. One other thing that I think has uh, you and everyone thinking that could be a good year for Christian Academy is the summer that you have. You always take your guys out, challenge them with competition in the offseason. And I don't care if it's the regular season in the winter or the June month when teams play together in camps and shootouts across the state. You guys went 10 and 0 at Indiana Wesleyan's team camp, which has a reputation of being one of the better gathering of teams in the summer, I don't care what kind of games, running clock, regular games, I don't care who the competition is. To put a ten and O stretch together in one weekend to play is is a good deal, and I know that has you confident about what could be done this year.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and that's something with summer ball in mind. You know, you mentioned this is my second year. Um, that's something going to last season we didn't get to have at all uh, was any summer ball, like any team camp. Of course, you guys do a great job with the New Albany League. We didn't get to have that. So it was something um, we were very fortunate to take part in. And, yeah, it was a great weekend for us. We got to play some great competition up there in our division. And um, to come away uh, at the end of the weekend with that tournament championship and an undefeated record was something. Um Ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, you know, that doesn't make you cut down nets or march automatically or anything close to that. But something definitely that builds momentum and shows the guys right away that we're, uh, we're a team that, that's going to compete.
2: Hayden Casey of Christian Academy, my guest. He's the boys basketball coach there. And uh, a fun time here this month as we begin to slowly preview the upcoming hoops season. If you listen to this program on a daily basis, you know. We never struggle having a problem talking high school basketball, really hoops at any level, no matter what time of year it is. Coach, uh, let's talk about some other returning players. I know Caleb Roy is a junior. He's a big guy for you as well, very athletic, and someone that you think's role will greatly increase this season as you guys try to put together a good campaign.
3: Yeah, uh, C. Roy, as we call him, uh, he's a guy you never have to worry about if he's playing hard or not. Which which is an expectation for us, but man, he just goes above and beyond with everything he does while he's out there on the court. And he's somebody who, you know, going into last season, um, a lot of guys happen to learn quick. You know, of course the previous year losing all five starters. So C Roy was one of those young guys last year who had to play a ton and he deserved to and learned a lot. So going to this season we absolutely have high expectations for him. He's a stretch guy for us, his Post work got very skilled last season. He's somebody who very coachable and respectful. He's another guy we're very fortunate to have, and uh, we're going to expect a lot out of him this season.
2: Talking Christian Academy basketball with Hayden Casey. Nate Doss is back. He's a sophomore. Started as a freshman on your sectional runner-up team a year ago. So a guy that has some experience under his belt.
3: Yeah, he uh, he's a guy, man. He maybe the funniest kid on the team. He's somebody who. Uh, brings a lot for our program. And, yeah, like you mentioned, starting started as a freshman. You know, I was a big ask for him last year. And he he, he never never once complained about anything, though. He, he was the guy who always rose to any challenge, whether it was starting as a freshman or uh, anything we challenged him with. He, he always um, performed. He always rose to the occasion. And then the season ends, you look forward, it's like, okay. And then you start remembering, you know, he's only a sophomore now, you know, and we get – Three more years out this great young man, and he's somebody. Um, whether it's his shooting he brings, or you know he's one of our best defenders. I mean, he's somebody. His all-around game's very, um, very good, and we're yeah, we're very much looking forward to his sophomore campaign.
2: Coach Casey, one of the things I always enjoy in the preseason is finding out about some of the future stars, perhaps in our area. And I know you've got a handful of underclassmen, including a couple freshmen that you think could come in and make impacts right away on the varsity level?
3: Oh, yeah. we. Uh, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said we weren't very excited about uh, three freshmen we have who I fully intend to have contribute on the varsity level right away. They they did during the summer and did very well. We have uh, Joshua Renfro as one of the freshmen. He is uh, just a phenomenal player. He is very skilled with the ball in his hands and the moves he can make. He it's one of the better shooters I've already seen um, in my years of coaching here at Christian Academy, and he also got a chance to go up uh, in Noblesville and be invited to the Prep Hoops top 250 freshman showcase and perform very well. Then uh, Tay Hickman's another one of the freshmen. He also got to go up to Prep Hoops and that 250 uh, freshman showcase and did very well. He's got a great motor, great tenacity. I mean, just a great competitive this to that young man and then we also have David Cook who uh, is the younger brother of our JV coach Stephen Cook who wasn't a thousand point scorer for us here and a two-time sectional champion and um, he's already about six two, six three, and we'll hope he keeps growing but he's, uh, he's somebody who who's already put in the work and shown why he should contribute at the varsity level as well.
2: Hayden Casey the coach at Christian Academy my guest talking a little warrior basketball today You know, one of the things when I talk with you and other coaches in that sectional, that 1A sectional 61 locally, is how good that sectional is. And I know so much of our coverage at tournament time goes to the big dogs, the 4A schools, but that is such a a classic sectional always played out at Borden. And as you look through the teams, of course, your group should be good this year, but also Borden should be really good. Lanesville, New Washington, Rock Creek. South Central, always just a great collection of local teams in that sectional.
3: Oh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, give me any sectional across the state. I'm biased, obviously, but I'll take that sectional. There's just something about walking into boarding And, of course, Mr. Cheatham, Coach Nash, and all the staff there do such a great job putting it on. And um, There's nothing like the atmosphere there. I mean, unfortunately, over my time here, We've been on the wrong side of those crowd roars sometimes, but even then you just soak in the moments and just realize that, man, it, it's really something special. And especially with just the teams in the sectional and the familiarity there and just the coaches you get to know and even the players over the years um, who always, you know, pop up on Sky Reports year after year. Just, just, just something special about it, whether it's the familiarity, whether it's the atmosphere. I mean, you could go on and on, but yeah, there, there's nothing like that sectional.
2: Coach Casey, the season begins officially as far as games go on November 27th. You guys will take on Clarksville, a road game for your club to begin the season. And as you look down through this schedule, it's not just been under your tenure, but also Steve Kerberg as well. Christian Academy has been willing to take on the big dogs and has been willing to play in holiday tournaments and other tough experiences that I think has helped their ability to have success in the postseason. It looks like, once again, you've lined up another very challenging regular season schedule.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's something during my time with Coach Kerber, too, He was always real big on, you know, those games, um, pay off in March, and um, that's the hope. And, you know, I, I think that showed last year um, with our tournament run. But, yeah, we open up with I mean, four straight road games. So, you talking about those guys coming back, we'll see. We're able to put something together and the lessons we learned last year and then these young guys i just mentioned they'll get thrown right into the fire four straight on the road including um, two sectional opponents uh new washington december 4th and then rock creek december 10th um but yeah going all throughout that whether it's the holiday tournaments we will be up at south ridge this year um, of course that beautiful gymnasium they have it'll be a special experience up there um, whether it's going across the river to play Christian Academy of Louisville with the great talent they have or the rivalry games with, you know, Providence. You know, we we could just go down the line there, um, whether it's teams we added as well like an Evansville Christian. You know, a- every game um, we'll definitely have to prepare for and perform well, and it, each game will tell a lot about our guys.
2: Hayden Casey, the coach at Christian Academy of Indiana. Coach, always enjoy our conversations. We're A month and a half or so away from the first games in the area and we look forward to following your team this season very best of luck
3: well i appreciate that matt always a pleasure to be on
2: absolutely hayden casey one of the good young coaches in the area and christian academy will be a good small school basketball club this season Uh, we'll see how they do but a chance uh, i think to have a very good year locally uh, at the 1a level all right we'll head to our first commercial break when we come back Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall. Our guest will talk IU basketball. Preseason event coming up November 6th at Assembly Hall. Also, lots of recruiting to chat about as well. And the season, from a college perspective, it's even closer than things on the high school level. It begins November 9th, I think I saw, is when the first college basketball games are scheduled. Send in your questions or comments at 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Alex Bojitz next, and then we have Romeo Langford Talk after Alex with Chris Grenham of Forbes Sports. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Thursday program. The Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. And right now, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is with me to talk IU basketball and more. Alex, a vent an event set for November 6th. We've had a lot of discussion about it this week, an opportunity for fans to see players in some skill competitions and possibly even a scrimmage or open gym, it sounds like and really a different approach here by Indiana. A third party is technically organizing the event, which allows uh, the event to be a NIL opportunity really for players to make some money off of ticket sales that uh, go along with this event. I know we've talked some about this, but I'm curious your thoughts on this outside of the box thinking to create an NIL opportunity for current Hoosier basketball players.
4: Yeah, I'm not really surprised that something like this has come up. I'm, curious to kind of see what kind of turnout they get for it and what uh kind of uh pricing goes into what's going to be included it sounds like there's going to be uh obviously different from hoosier hysteria which is free to get into uh they're going to be charging to get in Uh, i'd also be curious on the scrimmage part of it if the coaches. Uh, are going to be involved at all. Uh, it seems like they wouldn't be involved, and in, uh, obviously with just a couple of days before uh, playing uh, you know, uh, an actual game that counts, I'd be uh, curious just kind of what the instructions would be in, in terms of uh, scrimmage and making sure nobody uh, gets hurt, uh, especially a couple of days before the season starts. But sounds like it would be a good opportunity for fans who want to get autographs and maybe have a chance to get some pictures of the players. Uh, doesn't sound like with NIL that's going to be something that's going to be uh, free or easy to do anymore. Uh, it used to be at you know Hysteria or at uh, the uh, Halloween event that they used to have where you could uh, get autographs and things like that. Players are going to be taking advantage of the NIL and good, good for them. Uh, we'll see what kind of uh, turnout they get. It'll be, uh, I think, largely dependent on what kind of pricing they charge and, and things like that. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, the... the the more affordable it is, I think the, the better chance they have to get a lot of people uh, in the door for that. So I'd be curious. I'd be watching from afar, see how it, how it works out, and uh, hopefully it's a good success for, for the players and it uh, gives them an opportunity uh, to earn some money.
2: Alex, I think you bring up a great point. Uh, I think IU fans, when I hear from them, when I talk with them, are excited <laughs> about players having the opportunity to, to get paid, to make money off sponsorships and other deals, but... Uh, those easy and college athletes across the board, it's pretty easy if you catch them after a game to get an autograph, uh, kids love doing it. It's just a common thing you see uh, at assembly hall after every game that may become more of a challenge. I'm sure there'll still be some signing that goes on, but players are going to know that that uh, is a money-making opportunity for them. And that'll be interesting to see if, uh, autographs are as easy to come by in assembly halls, as what they have been in recent years.
4: Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty small number of players that play for IU where you'd be willing to probably pay for an autograph. I mean, obviously, it comes to mind recently, Romeo. Uh, you think about how much money he could have made if he was in charge for autographs, but that's not something he did. And um, you know, but I look at Indiana's roster right now, and and you know, this is not a criticism of any of the players that they have, but uh, you know, there's probably only a handful, uh, maybe. Two or three that have a chance to go on and play in the NBA. Uh, you know, in terms of what, how you value an autograph, I, I guess that's uh, kind of up to the fans to decide. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what the market is uh, for something like that. Obviously, uh, the signature of a Trace Jackson Davis would be uh, more valuable uh, than, than somebody like, say, Logan Duncan. So. I don't know how this event's going to work. Is it going to be uh, where you just pay to get in and you can get anyone's autograph, or you got to pay specific, you know, prices for specific guys? I'd be all really interested to see how that all works out. But it's a little bit different than professional uh, ranks, where everyone's kind of made it to the NBA and there's a kind of a value assigned to all of those guys based on their stature in the league. With a college player, you're paying for, you know, if, if you're a collector, you're somebody that looking at it as something, as an investment that could grow in value, there's only a certain number of guys, uh, not just in Indiana, in the Big Ten where their autographs is going to want to actually be worth, be worth something. So I think for players, it could be a little bit of an eye-opening experience uh, that maybe their, their value for something like an autograph isn't what they think. Now, promoting products and things like that, social media posts, all that kind of stuff, I think they could have uh, some value. But for an autograph specifically, uh, as somebody who follows that industry pretty closely, I just think it's a pretty small number of players in college basketball period that would have much value uh, in terms of paying for autographs. Now, there may be some fans that are willing to do it just to support the player and depending on the price, but I, I just can't foresee a scenario where you have guys charging hundreds of dollars for an a uh, college player. I just, I just don't think the market's there to support that.
2: Alex Bozich inside the hall. Alex, getting into some recruiting stuff, Texter writes in, please ask Alex his opinion on the Noah Clowney recruitment and does Indiana have a chance to land him? I think the obvious answer is yes, Uh, but your thoughts on the breakdown of Clowney with just one visit left. He'll be at Alabama coming up a week or so before he announces his decision on October 31.
4: Yeah, from an Alabama perspective, I don't know that I feel that great saying uh knowing that a kid just set his decision date before he even visited my school uh that makes that seem like that trips a little bit more of a formality now saying that i have no idea what his interest is in alabama when i talked to him after the indiana visit and this is just kind of my uh my read on the situation uh just from talking to him it sounded to me like indiana and virginia tech were the two schools that he was most serious about um I don't know if anything's changed with regards to that, but uh, I think the farther you get away from a visit, you know, fans have a tendency to think, well, he didn't commit right after his visit, or you know, he's going ahead and seeing the process through. Maybe that doesn't mean, that means he doesn't really want to come to Indiana. Uh, with Clowney specifically, I know Indiana was his first official visit, but he told me after that visit that he was going to take all of his four visits. He wasn't going to uh, change that plan in any way, so we kind of knew going in that just because he didn't commit to Indiana after that visit didn't really mean a whole lot. So I think Indiana's got as good a shot as anybody. Um, the, you know, the, the one thing I would maybe wonder about is just kind of, does he want to leave the South? Does he want to go uh, away from home? Uh, he told me previously when we talked about it, that didn't matter much, but ultimately... Uh, all these different things do matter when it comes down to making a decision. So that's the one thing that kind of gives me a little bit of hesitation. But I think Indiana's right there in the mix, and they're going to keep recruiting him up until Halloween. Interesting timing uh, for announcing a decision. Be real interested to see what, how he's going to make the announcement. If It just can probably be something on social media. It seems like Tipton edits has really kind of uh, cornered the market uh, for recruit announcements. Uh, hats off to that. To that guy Joe Tipton. He's done a really good job building all these relationships with players, and I'll be real interested to see kind of uh, if, if Noah Clowning announces on his Twitter account or uh, does something with, with Joe Tipton or, or maybe one of the other recruiting services. But uh, it, it's been fascinating to kind of see how all this has changed uh, over the last couple of years. Some guys like you know Evan Daniels and Brian Snow and other guys kind of leaving the industry. I think it's opened up a little bit of a window and. Uh, Tipton Edis has really kind of uh, nudged his way in there and done a really good job. I think with a lot of recruiting stuff, so he's an interesting follow.
2: Yeah, I agree. Alex Bozic inside the hall. The next recruiting topic I had for you today is Thad Mata. We don't hear or see from him a lot uh, so far uh, here in the preseason in his role as Associate uh, Athletic Director for Basketball at IU, but I noticed Gabe Cups, the Centerville, Ohio guard, that recently completed his official visit, uh, a junior year official visit, uh, made a comment to the Columbus Republic that uh, he has a relationship with him. It was great to see him and what a good resource he is for the IU program. Uh, what, is, what is Mata's role behind the scenes? Have you been able to, to learn more about what he's doing uh, for IU when it comes to the operations of the program or even recruiting?
4: Well, Mike Woodson was asked about this at Big Ten Media Day. Uh, in the breakout session that he did with the reporters, I think it was about 30 minutes. The full video is up on our YouTube page and our website. You can find it there. But uh, he was asked specifically about Fad Mata and what his role was. And Mike uh, Woodson explained that, you know, Fad Mata doesn't directly work for Mike Woodson. He works for Scott Dolson. He reports to Scott Dolson. He is being used as a resource for the basketball program. He sits in in meetings. He's involved, uh, you know, as much as he can be. But, he works for the athletic department. I think a lot of stuff that he does is behind the scenes, but in an instance like this where you have a high school player from Ohio uh, whose dad is a prominent high school coach in the state, my assumption here uh, is that there's a, some kind of pre-existing relationship there and they know each other uh, maybe from uh, when Fab was at Ohio State. So uh, That's an interesting twist. I think that can be very helpful for Indiana uh, in terms of going into Ohio and recruiting players. Fab uh, Mata obviously without Ohio State for a long time, can maybe open some doors and uh, have some uh, you know, conversations when kids are on campus. Obviously, they can talk to him, and I think he's a tremendous resource. But Mike Woodson basically said at Big Ten Media Day that he's, uh, you know, talks to Thad often. He has him involved in meetings, bounces ideas off of him. But ultimately, he reports to Scott Dolson in the athletic department.
2: Yeah, definitely interesting. I think as the season gets here – uh, it'll be interesting to see what role Mata has then as well for uh, mm-hmm. Coach Woodson in a support role, it sounds like, uh, helping this season. But while we're talking about Gabe Cups, clearly there seems to be some pretty serious interest both ways between the Hoosiers mm-hmm. and him. Uh, he's been on campus now a handful of times, just completed a junior year official visit. Sounds like someone that Indiana is tracking closely and that uh, Cupps reciprocates that love.
4: Yeah, I've been I've been uh, texting with him a little bit here over the last 24 hours, and we'll talk to him tonight. Uh, give him a little time to to digest everything. I know he visited Ohio State recently. I was at Indiana. I know Michigan's another school. We talked a little bit about this last week, Matt, with Michigan. Uh, they offered him, but they've since taken a couple commitments. I think from point guards, and I know in the 2022 class, and I think they took somebody in the 24 class as well. So I kind of wonder maybe if he still fits into their plans. It really seems like Indiana and Ohio State have separated themselves, so I'm going to obviously plan to ask him about that uh, when we speak later today. And, uh, you know, I think he's visited Indiana four times, which is pretty significant. Uh, I know he does want to see Indiana. We talked about this last week too, Matt, but I think he wants to see an actual game uh, played this season, uh, see some, what it's gonna look like for Indiana basketball before he makes any decisions. But it seems like you know, Ohio State really wants him, Indiana really wants him. I think it would be a huge recruiting win, uh, for Indiana if they were able to go in and into Ohio and, and get him uh and bring him into Indiana. I mean I saw the updated twenty four seven sports rankings yesterday. They had him as a number eighty eight player. To me he seems like a solid four year kid uh, that's gonna uh, have a chance to really uh, make an impact on whatever program he goes to, and, and it sounds like Indiana is making a strong push for him, we'll see how it all ends up.
2: Alex, it's amazing to me that recruiting seems to get younger and younger. It's not just basketball, but all sports, and including baseball especially, it seems. But yesterday I, I saw that a six-point six guard, just as a freshman, his name is Jalen Harrelson from Fishers High School, just outside of Indianapolis, received an offer, a Big Ten offer from Maryland. Uh, so another in-state guy. Earlier this week, we had Trent Sisley's coach on from down at Heritage Hills. We were talking about the player he is and what he could become. But Harrelson seems like another guy from our state that uh, is worth paying attention to this upcoming high school basketball season with Maryland already jumping in with a scholarship offer.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a great thing for Indiana in general if these next couple recruiting classes uh, have some high – High-end talent, uh, you know, it's been a little bit down recently, and they've had to go out and, and get kids from other places. But if, if there can be some kids in, inside the state borders who are going to be Big Ten level players that Indiana can recruit, I think that's right in their wheelhouse for where they can uh, get some things done on the recruiting trail. You know, I, I think some of these early offers don't always pan out. Um, you know, I, I kind of like. I think Indiana's been pretty smart about. Uh, so far about offering kids uh, under this new coaching staff they've kind of taken their time and you know I think some of these kids who are going to be juniors this season uh, could eventually have a chance to maybe get an offer from IU but Indiana's you know really kind of you know keeping keeping things open you know keeping the communication open and want to see how these kids play in the high school season uh, usually with kids that young you've got plenty of time and really getting a commitment or something like that uh, From a kid that young doesn't really mean a lot because you can think back to the days when Trey Lyles and James Blackman Jr. committed to Indiana so early one of them ultimately did end up at IU but the other one uh, you know was, was a guy that was identified very early as a, as a top level player Indiana had him committed for so long and then ultimately didn't end up there so I think it's smarter to really evaluate guys and maybe if they're good enough for an offer you offer them maybe the summer after their sophomore year or if it's really a truly elite player like a romeo langford you maybe offer after their freshman season but uh, some of these early offers i don't know necessarily if it's uh, the smartest approach especially if you're not 110 percent sure that they're going to be at that level uh selling out offers just for the sake of it doesn't necessarily seem like the best strategy
2: alex bozich inside the hall alex you know, many things with Mike Woodson, we won't really know until the games get here. And in, in some cases, you may not know till you're a few seasons into his tenure at IU. But recruiting happens so often and so quickly these days with the spring and summer behind him. Now the fall evaluation period coming to a close. And of course, it'll be high school basketball up next as far as opportunities to view players and get out on the recruiting trail when possible. Do you think Indiana fans can breathe a sigh of relief that Coach Woodson, with his personality, with his NBA background, how important that is to these top-level players these days, do you think that that uh, should offer some uh, confidence he's going to be a solid recruiter at IU and in the Big Ten, along with his coaching staff as well?
4: Yeah, I mean, he did great, I thought, in the first year for getting what he got out of the portal, bringing in Tamar Bates, and then this first recruiting class, I mean, to get – a five-star guard that keeps TJ Gunn in the fold and then ultimately be able to go down and get Taylor banks out of Georgia, I think was a really good uh, pickup for him. So if he gets Noah Clowney, I mean, I think you're really excited about this class is, uh, you know, probably a top 15 class, top 20 class nationally. And then I think you look to the spring, uh, it's probably going to be, this is probably to me, how it's going to work moving forward is, is, you're going to probably see high school a lot of high school kids sign in the fall. And then, to be honest, I think if you wait until the spring, if you're a high school kid, uh, unless you're elite, uh, cream of the crop, you're probably going to be passed over for options in the transfer portal. That's just going to be how it is because uh, once the transfer portal uh, gets going in the spring and you've got guys uh, in that portal uh, that can be uh, recruited, that's a more attractive option than going out and getting a high school player. So, uh, to me, I think if Indiana can get uh, these four guys signed this fall, I think you're going to see the rest of the out, the the roster for next season probably be uh, some transfer portal guys, depending on who's going to stick around and all that for next season.
2: Alex Bozic, inside the hall. Uh, final thoughts on IU, the Big Ten uh, as a whole. You've been doing the conference previews, which are great reads at InsideTheHall.com and. Now the media day at IU and Big Ten media days both are in the books for this season. We've talked a lot about the top of the conference with Michigan and Purdue, I think unanimously there by most people. We've talked about predictions on IU and where they could place uh, this year, which I think is kind of an unknown. There's lots of different opinions on that. We'll have to see how it plays out. But uh, final thoughts on the Big Ten conference as a whole this year. It was great last year as far as Talent goes, uh, not so great in the NCAA tournament, but what do you see this year overall as far as the conference?
4: I think it'll be a little bit down from where it was last year, but uh, the last couple of years it's been so good uh, that just being a little bit down uh, still uh, is going to be really, really good from a national perspective. I think it's got a chance probably to be top to bottom the best conference, although at the bottom, Uh, This year, I think Minnesota's really going to have some hard times. Penn State's another team, Northwestern, you know, these are some teams that just don't know how good they're going to be at the bottom. So uh, there's probably going to be an opportunity to pick up some maybe easier than usual wins from some of these bottom feeding teams. But uh, at the top, I think Michigan and Purdue, I like Michigan slightly better than Purdue. Uh, And then you have that kind of next of teams that Indiana is hoping to be in. Uh, I don't know that they're there yet, but uh, Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan State, Maryland, uh, we'll see kind of where Rutgers uh, falls into the mix. But I have John Gassaway of ESPN who covers the Big Ten as well as anybody, uh, has co- has followed it as long as anybody. He's an Illinois grad. I had him on my podcast this week, and uh, he asked me, kind of turned it around on me and asked me where I thought Indiana was finishing the Big Ten. I told him I had him picked eight but i could see him you know six or seventh, and he thought that would be comfortably in the ncaa tournament so uh, that kind of tells you how uh, the the league is being viewed uh, from a national perspective right now i think if indiana can be in that middle uh of of the pack they're going to have a good chance to make the tournament and i think you know most teams i was uh, with the exception of a couple that i named earlier i think uh they're going to be capable of of beating anybody on a given night there's not going to be uh a whole lot of opportunities to go on the road and get easy wins like usual. And, uh, I think Indiana's ultimately their season going to come down to whether they can protect their home court and steal some wins on the road. Uh, that's the thing that really Archie Miller didn't do well enough was win home games. And now with the crowds back in the building, Indiana should be able to build a nice advantage uh, this season at Assembly Hall, and if they can take advantage of that, I think their non-conference schedule Uh, they should be able to rack up uh, enough wins there and then if they can go 500 or better in the big 10 they'll have a good chance to make the tournament.
2: Alex Bozich inside the hall he's with us Thursdays on the program as we discuss IU basketball. Alex once again thanks for another great chat and uh, we'll do it again next week. All
4: right Matt have a good rest of your day thanks.
2: Alex Bozich of inside the hall with us here on this Thursday edition of the program quick commercial break coming up when we return. Chris Grinham of Forbes Sports joins the program. He's the Boston Celtics beat writer for Forbes, and he'll join us to talk about Romeo Langford, the Celtics, and his role for the upcoming season. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
0: All right, we're going to
2: give this another try. Some technical problems, but I believe we're back reconnected. Chris Grinham, Forbes Sports. He covers the Celtics for Forbes, is my guest. And, uh, Chris, before we lost connection, uh, talking about Romeo, what his role could be like this season. And in the preseason so far, he and the other young Celtics have had a lot of opportunity to get some minutes. Yeah, he's looked
1: good, and I think this is is an important time for him because it's the first offseason, healthy offseason, that he's really had in his professional career he's been sidelined by a couple injuries and then obviously after the bubble they didn't really have much of an off season at all so there's been a variety of things that have kept him from having a normal off season cycle but I think he's taken advantage of this time and it seems like he's expanding his game quite a bit his live dribble you know court vision looks very very improved it looks really good and I think if he can open up his offensive game, there may be a a spot for him toward the back end of the Celtics rotation, depending on how deep Emeo Doka chooses to go.
2: I'm, I'm curious. I know things will change once the regular season arrives. Some of the veterans and star players will be back more so in the rotation and starting on a regular basis. What is the expectation, in your opinion, from what you've seen on the role Romeo will have? Will he have a chance to be a starter? Will he be someone that has a regular role off the bench or is he still competing for a regular opportunity with this Celtics club
1: I think right now he is still competing for a rotation spot and it's tough because I think he has developed quite nicely and I know you know those within the organization in the front office they do like him and they and they like what his you know skill set consists of but that being said this roster is deeper than last year's team was and I think it makes things difficult for him to find a solid rotation spot when you have another wing in front of him, like Aaron Neesmith who has really proven quite a bit over the last few months and toward the end of his rookie season. So if I had to guess right now, heading into the beginning of the regular season, what his role is going to look like, I think it's the back back end of that rotation, depending on if Emilio know, wants to go 11 or 12 guys and Injuries are inevitable, so he's going to be one of the first guys to step up when injuries do come about. But I think right now he is still competing for a spot toward the backside of the Celtics' rotation.
2: Talking Romeo Langford with Chris Grimm of Forbes Sports, uh, the Celtics this year. What is the outlook for them in the Eastern Conference?
1: I think they're a high they're a high variance team right now, and I think there's a lot of teams like that in the Eastern Conference. If ball goes well and they get a little more shooting than is expected then I think they could be toward that 5-4 seed in the Eastern Conference. I think a more realistic spot is probably around the 6th seed. But, again, there is a low side of this high-variance outlook where things could go bad. They don't get the offensive production outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And they could end up closer to the playing game. So if I was being as realistic as possible, I would say 5 or 6 is probably my guess for where they're going to end up in the Eastern Conference, and I think that is a relatively rosy outlook because overall this team does lack some shooting and and some offensive firepower outside of Tatum and Brown.
2: All right, obviously everybody listening from Southern Indiana is a fan of Romeo Langford and our other local players that are playing at the collegiate and professional levels, but I've got to ask this question. If Romeo doesn't make his way into a rotational spot on a regular basis, after year three what happens does he become trade bait what does that mean for his nba future
1: yeah you know with what romeo has shown during summer league this year and over the course of the first couple preseason games say he does get an opportunity you know here and there early on in the regular season i think that already turns him into potential trade bait and maybe Aaron Neesmith's showing what he has. Maybe that turns him into potential trade bait, and that makes Romeo Langford the guy that steps up. But I think Romeo Langford, more than anything right now down the road, could end up being a trade piece if the Celtics try to expand their roster moving into next summer where they have, you know, a little more wiggle room as far as the salary cap goes because he does have a team option for 22-23 on his contract, and I'm just not quite sure where the Celtics see him moving forward uh within this roster where he's kind of caught in a log gym. he's a little he's, he's kind of at the bottom of a logjam. so i wouldn't be surprised to see him become trade bait over the next year or so
2: absolutely chris sorry for the shortened segment today i hope you'll be willing to join us again down the line to chat romeo and the celtics but always appreciate your insight from boston of course not a problem thanks matt that's going to wrap things up for this thursday edition brian sullivan is guest hosting the show tomorrow He'll be back with you at 11 o'clock on Friday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.